Elizabeth Warren finally comes under attack and Joe Biden continues to mumble as Democratic panic sets in. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So what did I miss, guys? The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, I will tell you that watching the Democratic debates from abroad Um, it's kind of wild, namely because you're not really in the middle of it. Obviously, you are very far away, but also because of the time delay. So that means that the Democratic debate ended in Israel about 6 (laughs) a.m. Israel time, which made for a bit of a long night, a bit of a fraught night. I mean, if you think that Democratic debates put you to sleep, try watching them at 4 a.m. I mean, that, that will definitely make you want to hang yourself. But here's the truth. If you're a Democrat and you watch that debate, you got to be a little bit suicidal after watching that debate because it just made the Democrats look bad. Right now, Joe Biden remains the sort of national front runner according to the Real Clear Politics polling average, but Elizabeth Warren has pulled into the lead in both Iowa and New Hampshire, where she has a slight lead in Iowa over both Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. And in New Hampshire, she has a very slight lead over Joe Biden. But Elizabeth Warren was nothing to write home about last night. She really was not. She looked weak because guess what? Elizabeth Warren is running as this wild-eyed progressive But she doesn't believe any of this stuff. And so she refuses to actually say this stuff out loud. If she were a true believer like Bernie Sanders, she would just say this stuff out loud. Which, by the way, is one reason why Ilhan Omar and AOC and Rashida Tlaib are all talking about endorsing not Elizabeth Warren, but endorsing Bernie Sanders. That also shores up their sort of street cred. If they'd endorsed Elizabeth Warren, then they have to ride that hobby horse all the way to the election. If they endorse Bernie Sanders, who's going nowhere, then they get to look completely woke and completely committed without actually having to invest any time or effort campaigning for somebody during the primary season and or general election. With that said, the debate last night really had a couple of themes. Theme number one, Elizabeth Warren under attack is not a strong candidate. Elizabeth Warren is great when she is on her talking points. She's sort of like Mitt Romney this way. On the talking points, good. Pushed off the talking points, not so good. Because once she was pushed off her talking points, she looked pretty weak last night. Joe Biden, meanwhile, he's past his prime. He's obviously past his prime. He's sort of late stage Muhammad Ali in, in his boxing career, and he's losing to fighters he shouldn't lose to. And you can see this during the debates. During every exchange, he would sort of have one solid comeback. And then he'd sort of collapse in on himself like a dying star because he didn't have a lot beyond that. He can't sustain for a very long period of time in these debates. So he has sort of a strong first move and then and he sort of falls over. So that was another theme of the night. The the biggest theme of the night probably is that all of the moderates who actually did a lot of damage against the progressive candidates last night, the Bernie Sanderses and the Elizabeth Warrens and the and 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 some of the other more radical candidates like Beto O'Rourke, the the sort of moderate wing of the Democratic Party, they make the progressives look bad, but they're not picking up any support inside the Democratic Party because the the most passionate part of the Democratic Party is that woke base, that social justice warrior base. And so that means they're not going anywhere, even if they are making some pretty good points. Now, Joe Biden was supposed to be the marriage of these two things, right? He was supposed to bring along the woke progressive base because of his time with Barack Obama, that great progressive hero. And at the same time, he was supposed to bring moderates from Ohio and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Michigan. He was supposed to bring all of these blue collar workers who could have voted for Bernie, but didn't vote for Hillary and then sort of voted for Trump. And he was supposed to be the great reach out candidate to those candidates, but he appears weak. And this is leading to a sort of vacuum at the top of the Democratic field. And if you are a political pundit, you're starting to see this panic set in. In fact, you could see it last night where commentators on MSNBC were basically lamenting that Elizabeth Warren was so weak. But first, let's talk about hiring at your company. Okay, the fact is that you may have great people working at your company, or you may have not great people working at your company, and you constantly need to upgrade. Like, for example, let's say that you had an employee who came in here every morning and the clips just weren't ready. But you know what? You love the guy, and so you keep him around until you can find somebody better via ZipRecruiter. Not talking about you, Colton. I'm talking about just someone completely who's not Colton. Okay, go check out ZipRecruiter.com. The reason you check out ZipRecruiter is they make it incredibly, incredibly easy to find great employees. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. And it's very important to find a quality candidate. I mean, you don't want to be sitting around with second-rate employees. Again, not talking about Colton here. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all size. Try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. Saves you all sorts of time. And when you have second-rate employees, again, not Colton, when you have second-rate employees, then you want to make sure that you replace them forthwith so they're not wasting a lot of time and money. ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire and try them out for free. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. 
Here are the commentators on an MSNBC panel last night talking about how she looked, Elizabeth Warren looked petulant, how she didn't have good answers to her questions. Here it is. She was annoyed um, uh, because she came under attack and she was under she came under a lot of attack uh, for the Medicare for all um, on the Medicare for all question and the question of would she raise taxes. And she has a formula that she sticks to. She says costs will go down for the middle class. She will not say that taxes will go up, but other costs will come down, as as Bernie Sanders says. She just won't go there. And she was pummeled for it. Yeah, it makes her look like she's hiding. And it's yeah. one of the places. Chris Hayes comes out and he says the same thing. He says there has to be some sort of demand here for a non-Biden alternative to Warren and Sanders because this is weak tea, man. There's just not a lot here. Right? Hayes says, I think there's a sort of interesting theory of the case that revolves around Pete Buttigieg. And also, I think, to a certain extent, Amy Klomashar, which is the idea that there is some vacuum and demand for a kind of non-Biden alternative to Warren and Sanders. And I think that that's driven a lot of the thinking about the race. I think it's it's driving the way that people think about where they fit. The question is, is there space? And this is the big question for the race right now, right? Is there space for someone who who isn't Joe Biden to be in there? CNN's John King, who obviously is a member of the most trusted name in news, right? He comes out and he says it's pretty obvious that Warren and Biden as the front runners are also pretty weak front runners. Uh, without a doubt, I agree that the other candidates on that stage clearly thought it was in their best interest to go after Elizabeth Warren, to go after her on Medicare for all, to go after her economic views, to go after her more broadly and the idea that they think, especially from the moderates, too far left, will take the country in a way that you can't win here in Ohio and across the Midwest. Um, the vice president was almost an afterthought, Joe Biden, in this debate, which is striking in that the early debates, people viewed him as the front runner. So bottom line is the Democrats and in, in members of the media, but I repeat myself, they're, they're starting to look at this field and say, this does not look nearly as strong as we thought it was going to look when this field was shaping up. Now, there was one area in which they were all unified. And this demonstrates why the impeachment effort is being done right here and right now. The Democrats do not have the goods for impeachment right now. When I say they don't have the goods for impeachment right now, I mean, Nancy Pelosi will not even bring up the formal opening of an impeachment inquiry up for vote. She won't even bring it up. Right. Why won't she do that? Because there's no upside for her. She's afraid Democrats might vote it down. She doesn't have the votes for it quite yet. So why not sort of sit around, let the impeachment inquiry move forward? And then as evidence comes out, then you move forward with the impeachment inquiry. According to The Hill, Pelosi said on Tuesday she will not stage a vote on the House floor to officially launch an impeachment inquiry into President Trump. She announced no such vote would take place. Right. So the the Democrats don't actually have the momentum yet with regard to impeachment, but they are relying very heavily on impeachment. Why? Because when it comes to their own ideas, their own ideas are garbage. The only thing that they have in common and their real rallying point is that they think Trump sucks. And you could see that last night in everything the Democrats were saying. It began with Elizabeth Warren, who said she called for Trump's impeachment as soon as the Mueller report came out because she wanted to prevent further impeachable offenses. Impeachment is the way that we establish that this man will not be permitted to break the law over and over without consequences. This is about Donald Trump, but understand, it's about the next president and the next president and the next president and the future of this country. The impeachment must go forward. Thank you, sir. So there you have Elizabeth Warren saying, oh, well, you know, we have to stop Trump from breaking the law now. Does Elizabeth Warren really care about lawbreaking by presidents? No, Barack Obama was droning American citizens overseas, and she had nothing to say about that. Barack Obama was presiding over an IRS that was targeting his political opponents. Nothing to say about that. She didn't care about the rule of law, obviously. What Elizabeth Warren does care about is this unifying feature inside the Democratic Party. And so this part of the debate, the early part of the debate, turned into a game of one-upsmanship where the Democrats were like, not only is Donald Trump a bad man? He's the worst man, the worst kind of man. And that's how you get Joe Biden, who has been subjected to Trump's attacks on his purported corruption inside Ukraine, which we'll get to in a second. Joe Biden saying that Trump is, quote, the most corrupt president in modern history and in all of our history. This president, and I agree with Bernie, Senator Sanders, is the most corrupt president in modern history, and I think all of our history. And the fact is that this president of the United States has gone so far as to say since this latest event, that in fact he will not cooperate in any way at all, will not list any witnesses, will not provide any information, will not do anything to cooperate with the impeachment. They have no choice but to move. 
So that's Joe Biden playing one-upsmanship with Elizabeth Warren. They have no choice but to move. And then you had Kamala Harris, who, who came out after that. And then she actually said that Trump is not only the most corrupt, he is also the most unpatriotic. So they just keep adding on descriptors. Kamala Harris is always the person who goes too far at the party. And Kamala Harris will always go too far at the party. She's just not drinking. She's, she's not playing beer pong. She's playing like vodka pong, right? Like that, that it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what you are doing. Kamala Harris will go one step further. Now, the only honest take on the impeachment stuff happened from Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi finally made the debate. And she was interesting. At least she provided a level of interest, the congresswoman from Hawaii. She said that impeachment is appears to be partisan at this point, which, of course, is true. Here is Tulsi Gabbard saying a true thing on stage, which we're not allowed to say. If impeachment is driven by these hyper-partisan interests, it will only further divide an already terribly divided country. Unfortunately, this is what we've already seen uh, play out as calls for impeachment really began shortly after Trump won his election. And, and as unhappy as that may make us as Democrats, he won that election in 2016. Right, but Tulsi is sort of the is sort of the scold at the party. Nobody wants to hang out with Tulsi because Tulsi is saying true things. Instead, everybody was high off their own fumes. Right? I mean, they're hotboxing themselves inside the they're hotboxing themselves inside the VW bug, getting high off the fumes of their own farts about President Trump being impeached. Okay, so the debate starts off with that level of unity, and then it quickly begins to degrade. It quickly begins to devolve. But first, let's talk about how you get up in the morning and you do your shaving and you do your toiletries. But do you know the best products to use for that stuff? I mean, you normally head on over to the Rite Aid or to the CVS and you pick up sort of whatever's on the shelf after shopping for half an hour. Instead, what you could be doing is receiving the best products in the mail on demand. And this is where Dollar Shave Club comes in. Dollar Shave Club helps make your life easier. They take away the guesswork and they guarantee quality shaving products. It's way more than just razors. Dollar Shave Club has you covered head to toe. They've got everything you need to shower, shave, style your hair, brush your teeth. I particularly love their amber lavender body cleanser. It is so calming and soothing. Dollar Shave Club keeps you automatically stocked up on the products you use. You get what you want whenever you need it, whether that's once a month or a few times a year, and you're not going to have to waste your time at one of those drugstores trying to shop around 35 different overpriced options. Right now, you can put the quality of Dollar Shave Club's products to the test. Their Ultimate Shave Starter Set has basically everything you need for an amazing shave, like the Executive Razor, Shave Butter, Prep Scrub, Post Shave Dew. The best part is, you can dry it for just five bucks. After that, the restock box ships regular size products at regular prices. So get that Ultimate Starter Set for just five bucks at dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now, dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. So Joe Biden is asked, I know, it's unbelievable. He actually is asked about the possibility of corruption. Here's Anderson Cooper asking Joe Biden about Hunter Biden and corruption inside Ukraine. My question is, if it's not okay for a president's family to be involved in foreign businesses, why was it okay for your son when you were vice president? Vice President Biden? Look, uh, my son did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. I carried out the policy of the United States government in rooting out corruption in, in Ukraine. And that's what we should be focusing on. And what I wanted to make a point about, and my, my son's statement speaks for itself. He spoke about it today. My son's statement speaks for itself. What I think is important is we focus on why it's so important to remove this man from office. Okay, there's only one problem with what Joe Biden is saying right there, which is that Hunter Biden has already admitted his own poor judgment in getting involved in Ukraine. He admitted that the only reason he was involved is because of his daddy's name. He said, in retrospect, look, I think it was poor judgment on my part. Right? I think it was poor judgment because I don't believe now when I look back on it, I know there was nothing wrong at all. I gave a hook to some very unethical people to act in illegal ways to try and do some harm to my father. That's where I made a mistake. He said, I do, did I do anything improper? No, not in any way, not in way whatsoever. But he was asked about whether his last name being Biden was what led him to get the job at Burisma in Ukraine. He said, I don't know. I don't know. And then, and then he was asked, you know, what about your last name being Biden? Didn't that, did, did that help you? Right. Did, did, if your last name weren't Biden, would you have gotten the job? He said, probably not in retrospect. He says, but that, I don't think there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life if my last name wasn't Biden. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So Joe Biden, his protestations are a little bit too much on this issue. But the popular line of the night is that Donald Trump is incredibly corrupt and Joe Biden is pure as the driven snow. Cory Booker, Mr. Angry Eyes. He packed his angry eyes for this debate, like Mr. Potato Head. And he came out and he said, how dare the moderators even ask this question? How dare they even ask this question? Cory Booker 
is Jack Nicholson in The Shining. I mean, the dude just overacts, I mean, chewing the scenery, almost literally chewing the scenery. Like there was one point in this debate where Cory Booker actually went over to the to the step and repeat in the back of the stage, tore off a piece and began chewing it and swallowing it. It was real weird. So Cory Booker, he said, how dare you people ask Joe Biden, the most honorable of all human beings about this sort of stuff. I remember when Cory Booker was calling Joe Biden a racist. That was like two months ago. Anyway, here's Cory Booker. I'm having deja vu all over again, first of all, because I saw this play in 2016's election. We are literally using Donald Trump's lies. And the second issue we cover on this stage is elevating a lie and attacking a statesman. That was so offensive. He should not have to defend ourselves. And the only person sitting at home that was enjoying that was Donald Trump seeing that we're distracting from his malfeasance and selling out of his office. Yes, Cory Booker, I'm sure that CNN is doing the dirty work of Donald Trump. I'm sure that that is exactly what they're trying to do. They just lent the first 15 minutes of the debate to why Donald Trump is a very bad, bad orange man, very bad in orange, and why he should be impeached. But what they're really trying to do is Donald Trump's dirty work and even asking Joe Biden about the corruption allegations. That was not the only attack on Joe Biden. Of course, Biden was asked about his health as well because he is one million years old. And so Aaron Burnett asked Biden about this. It didn't go fantastically well for Joe Biden. Vice President Biden, if you're elected, you will turn 80 during your first term. Last month, former President Jimmy Carter said he could not have undertaken the duties of the presidency at 80 years old. Why are you so sure that you can? Because I've watched it. I know what the job is. I've been engaged. Look, one of the reasons I am running is because of my age and my experience. With it comes wisdom. We need someone to take office this time around who on day one can stand on the world stage command the respect of world leaders from Putin to our allies and know exactly what has to be done to get this country back on track. Okay, well, that is a riff on the Reagan line about not letting youth and inexperience be an obstacle to the presidency when he was debating Walter Mondale. But is it really effective for Joe Biden? No, because Reagan actually looked like he was still awake in 1984, whereas Joe Biden looks like he has been asleep for at least the last two and a half years. Here's the thing about Biden. Biden really quickly in this debate faded into the woodwork. Biden was not the central issue. It was clear to everybody on the stage that Elizabeth Warren is now the front runner in this campaign. And so the question was, how could she take incoming? Joe Biden in the last couple of debates has taken incoming. And he was kind of okay. He had his moments that were bad. But overall, he was kind of okay. If he had been brutal, he would have sunk down into the single digits in the polls. He did not. And he's basically been stagnant in the polls. And Elizabeth Warren has seen this slow, steady increase in the polling data. But Warren hasn't come under attack at all. Remember, for the first couple of debates, she was on the kitty stage with a bunch of candidates nobody cared about. She was on stage with like Bill de Blasio. And then finally, she made it onto the big stage in the last debate. And Bernie Sanders decided to lay off of her. Well, in this debate, nobody laid off of Elizabeth Warren. And she did not handle herself well. Because again, Elizabeth Warren is too smart not to know that her plans suck. And she keeps saying that she has plans. Oh, I have plans. I have plans. Oh, so many plans. Yes, but your plans are garbage. And it was made clear after about 30 seconds on the debate stage that even Elizabeth Warren can't defend her own plans. She also says wild and crazy things on a regular basis that are frankly immoral. It all started with the debate about taxes. So she was asked for the one millionth time whether she was going to raise middle class taxes. The answer, of course, is yes. She's radically going to raise middle class taxes. And all her talk about taxing wealth, first of all, it's unconstitutional. Second of all, it's immoral. Taxing people's wealth. I already paid taxes on that stuff, lady, right? You're going, to, you're going to tax me on the stuff that I've already paid taxes on. So if I spend my entire life building up a nest egg for my children, and then the government's already going to try and steal that nest egg when I die, you're going to try and tax the amount of what, like, so I, I earn a million bucks and then I pay half of it to the government and then I take the rest and I buy a house with it. And then you want to assess the value of the house and tax me on the value of the house every year as a wealth tax. How many times can you take a bite at the same apple? Anyway, that's that's just one of Elizabeth Warren's wild and myriad proposals. So she is asked by one of the debate moderators last night whether she would raise taxes on the middle class, and she will not answer the question. Will you raise taxes on the middle class for pay, to pay for it, yes or no? So I have made clear what my principles are here, and that is costs will go up for the wealthy and for big corporations and for hardworking middle class families. Costs will go down. And that is called avoiding the question, what Elizabeth Warren just did there. That is just avoiding the question because, again, the answer is yes, your taxes will go up if you're middle class. And Bernie Sanders makes this clear, right? They went to Bernie Sanders and Bernie was like, yes, I will raise your taxes. 
Of course, I will raise your taxes. Your overall costs will go down because you will no longer have to pay for pudding, but your taxes will go up. At least he's honest about it. Elizabeth Warren refuses to say those words because she knows that that will be the lead campaign commercial for the Trump campaign. Okay, and then she gets slapped over it. But first, safety is really important to me. I have 24-7 security at this point, thanks to all of the various threats. And so the kind of gear that I have on my house is extremely important to me. It's got to be top-notch, which is why I rely on Ring. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. You may already know about their smart video doorbells and the cameras that protect millions of people everywhere. I've talked about them on the show, right? They ring the doorbell, and I can pick up from Israel, and I know who's at my front door. Ring helps you stay connected to your home anywhere in the world. So if there's a package delivery or a surprise visitor, you get an alert, and you're able to see, hear, and speak to them all from your phone. Makes me feel safer. More importantly, makes my wife feel safer. As a subscriber... Over here, you have a special offer on a Ring welcome kit available right now at ring.com slash Ben. The kit includes that Ring video doorbell too and a Chime Pro, which is what you need to start building that ring of security around your home today. Go to ring.com slash Ben. Again, that's ring.com slash Ben. We've got Ring devices all over our property. Again, making our property safer, which means a lot to me. It'll mean a lot to you as well. Go check it out, ring.com slash Ben. Again, that's ring.com slash Ben. Additional terms may apply. So Pete Buttigieg, who got pretty aggressive and feisty in the debate last night, it was one of the things that early on I thought was attractive about Buttigieg is that he seems like a person who actually has the capacity to reason. Okay, well, he went after her on the tax issue, and uh, it was not pretty for her. Mayor Buttigieg, you say Senator Warren has been, quote, evasive about how she's going to pay for Medicare for all. What's your response? Well, we heard it tonight, a yes or no question that didn't get a yes or no answer. Look, this is why people here in the Midwest are so frustrated with Washington in general and Capitol Hill in particular. Your signature, Senator, is to have a plan for everything except this. Boom. That is correct. Her signature is to have a plan for everything except for she doesn't know how to explain her own plans because her plans stink. And then Buttigieg goes on and he explains that her plans are going to alienate a huge number of Americans. I don't understand why you believe the only way to deliver affordable coverage to everybody is to obliterate private plans, kicking 150 million Americans off of their insurance in four short years when we could achieve that same big, bold goal. And once again, we got to be president. We're competing to be president for the day after Trump. Amy Klobuchar goes harder than Buttigieg. At least Bernie's being honest here and saying how he's going to pay for this and that taxes are going to go up. And I'm sorry, Elizabeth, but you have not said that. And I think we owe it to the American people to tell them where we're going to send the invoice. Ouch. And correct. Amy Klobuchar pointing out that Elizabeth Warren is a liar. And by the way, it is a lie. When when politicians lie to you because they want to make money off of you and because they want to gain power off of you. This is why politicians lie to you. And it's true right, left and center. This is not a partisan thing. You will see Republican politicians say they're going to bring jobs back to your dying town. They have no way of doing so. And you'll see Elizabeth Warren lying, lying about middle class taxes by simply refusing to answer the question, because the fact is that her plans are not good. They're simply not good. And she wants power anyway. Joe Biden, by the way, went after Elizabeth Warren on this as well. And again, he scored some points here. On the single most important thing facing the American public, I think it's awfully important to be straightforward with them. The plan is going to cost at least $30 trillion over 10 years. That is more on a yearly basis than the entire federal budget. Well, realistically speaking, Joe Biden is a little wrong. It's going to cost three quarters of the federal budget. So he's not totally wrong. $30 trillion over 10 years. The federal budget right now is about $4 trillion a year. So it's a near doubling of the federal budget. And Elizabeth Warren doesn't have any way to pay for that. And this is the constant theme from Elizabeth Warren. She's either saying stuff that is so radical that it is impossible to fact check it because she's making moral claims or she is saying stuff that she herself cannot back up because the data simply do not back it up. I mean, here is one of her radical proposals. So Elizabeth Warren is asked about jobs and Bernie Sanders has already claimed that he wants a universal jobs guarantee. And then you see my boy, Andrew Yang, the only person with half a brain on stage saying Americans don't want to work for the federal government. And all of that's true. Then Elizabeth Warren comes in like the Kool-Aid man, just boom, right through the wall. A very mild-mannered Massachusetts Kool-Aid man. She is red, so I mean, I guess that works. In any case, Elizabeth Warren explains that what she actually wants to do is force every corporation in America to have 40% of its board elected by the employees of the corporation. That's, That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. 
Hey, you think that I'm going to let the employees over at the Daily Wire vote on their own wages? You think that's a thing where they get a vote? That is not a thing where they get a vote. Because if they did get a vote, then they would probably bankrupt the company because you have a collective action problem. In the companies where you do have employees voting on their own wages, effectively speaking, at the major car manufacturers, for example, they basically bankrupted the car industry through private unionization and government cramdowns over the course of decades. It turns out that you know who knows how to run the corporations? The people who are interested in the profits of the corporation and the business, the business workability of a corporation, not the people who are seeking to suck money out of the corporation in short-sighted fashion. And now there are private sector unions that are willing to work with employers in a sort of cooperative slash adversarial fashion with the tug and the pull. But Elizabeth Warren effectively unionizing every business in America is going to be a giant fail. And by the way, if you really believe that employees all want to be unionized, you're going to have to explain the 7% private sector unionization rate in this country. It turns out that most employees in this country want to be able to independently negotiate their salaries with the bosses. In any case, here's Elizabeth Warren. But the principal reason has been bad trade policy. The principal reason has been a bunch of corporations, giant multinational corporations, who've been calling the shots on trade, giant multinational corporations that have no loyalty to America. They have no loyalty to American workers. They have no loyalty to American consumers. They have no loyalty to American communities. They are loyal only to their own bottom line. I have a plan to fix that. And it's accountable capitalism. It says you want to have one of the giant corporations in America, then by golly, 40% of your board of directors should be elected by your employees. That is an insane violation of freedom of contract. It's an insane violation of freedom of association. Who the hell is Elizabeth Warren to decide how I run my business? She has never made a dollar, not a dollar for me. She has not run my business, not in any way, not in any way, shape or form. Warren says something similar later. So Warren actually comes forward and she says she doesn't have a beef with billionaires. And then she explains in very much Barack Obama fashion, because Barack Obama actually ripped the speech off from her years ago. She basically says, you didn't build your business yourself. So um, I'm really shocked at the notion that anyone thinks I'm punitive. Uh, look, I don't have a beef with billionaires. My problem is you made a fortune in America. You had a great idea. You got out there and worked for it. Good for you. But you built that fortune in America, I guarantee you built it in part using workers all of us help pay to educate. You built it in part getting your goods to market on roads and bridges all of us help pay for. You built it at least in part protected by police and firefighters all of us help pay the salaries for. Now, this is the same exact argument that, that Barack Obama made in 2012 when he said you didn't build that. Except guess what? All of those things are being paid for by the people who create businesses. Who does she think pays taxes in this country? Who, who pays the income tax in this country? And by the way, the people who are salaried at these corporations, they get paid. They're not wage slaves. They're getting paid. And they are paying taxes in their neighborhoods. And if the corporations disappear, who do you think is going to pay all that local property tax that supports the school? Who do you think is going to pay the police and the firefighting? If she's shocked, people think she's punitive. She is punitive. She's deeply punitive. I mean, by the way, she's not just punitive, she's immoral. There's one point during this debate where Elizabeth Warren actually suggested in the middle of the debate that the rich are not like you and me. Elizabeth Warren is worth $10 million. She's worth money. She literally says the rich are not like you and me. So understand taxing income is not going to get you where you need to be the way taxing wealth does. That the rich are not like you and me. The really, really billionaires are making their money off their accumulated wealth, and it just keeps growing. We need a wealth tax in order to make investments in the next generation. The rich are not like you and me. The rich are exactly like you and me. Because you know what? There was a point in my life where I was certainly not rich. And there will be a point in my life, I'm sure, again, at which my income is not a rich person's income. Okay, people go up and down on the income spectrum. The rich are not just like you and me. The rich are you and me because you will change your wealth level over the course of time. And taxing wealth is a way of punishing people who have already paid their taxes. Andrew Yang immediately fires back on Elizabeth Warren. And he's exactly right. Senator Warren is 100% right that we're in the midst of the most extreme winner-take-all economy in history. And a wealth tax makes a lot of sense in principle. The problem is that it's been tried in Germany, France, 
Denmark, Sweden, and all those countries ended up repealing it because it had massive implementation problems and did not generate the revenue that they'd projected. Andrew Yang is exactly right about that. Even Beto O'Rourke gets into the act attacking Elizabeth Warren. I mean, when, you, when, when Beto, who's an insane person, I mean, almost literally an insane person. I mean, he, he suggested last week that we basically take away tax exemptions from every religious institution in America, which not only would take away their tax exemptions, as I talked about on Friday, if you listen to the podcast and not just the clips, but also would set the stage for the removal of their business licenses and the non-accreditation of school. I mean, Beto O'Rourke is a radical and a wild-eyed radical at that. But even Beto is looking at Elizabeth Warren going, lady, what is wrong with you? And Senator Warren said, show me your budget, show me your tax plan, and you'll show me your values. She has yet to describe her tax plan and whether or not that person I met would see a tax increase. Under my administration, if you make less than $250,000 a year as a family, you will not see a tax increase. That family needs to know that. So Warren is a combination of liar and radical. She's a combination of liar and radical. And that is what we are seeing. That's what we saw on the stage last night. It was a very bad look for Warren. Now, she wasn't the only one who was radical on the stage. The fact that Joe Biden, by the way, is seen as a moderate is hilarious because Joe Biden is not moderate. Joe Biden is not a moderate. It's just that when you compare Trotsky to Lenin, suddenly looks like a moderate. But Joe Biden said last night that he would raise the capital gains tax from, what is it, 15% now, all the way up to 40%. And he thinks that that is not going to have any impact on wealth earning in the United States or the stock market. You know who he's taxing when he taxes capital gains? He is taxing all of the grandmothers who have their money in pension funds that are with mutual funds in Omaha, right? I mean, that, that's exactly what's happening. And he, he is going after, not, it's not just rich people in the stock market anymore. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So the Democrats are out there just pushing these radical, radical policies. And then they get even more radical. And in just a second, we will talk about the Democratic policies with regard to abortion, where again, Tulsi Gabbard is the only voice of reason. We'll get to that in just one second. First, you know, my dad suffers from sleep apnea, just like one billion individuals around the world. And you may not even know you have sleep apnea, but then you go and you get it checked out and you realize you need a CPAP machine. Well, CPAP machines keep you alive, but they are really difficult and annoying to clean. They're a pain in the butt. And this is why you need a safe and effective automated sanitizing solution. It's called SoClean. It's the world's first automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. SoClean kills up to 99.9% of all CPAP germs and bacteria that can build up in your mask hose, and reservoir. It's easy to use. You just put the mask in, you close the lid, you walk away. It works with all the popular CPAP machines as well as the masks. SoClean uses advanced technology to sanitize your CPAP equipment with just the touch of a button. It's a safe, healthy way to breathe cleaner and have a better CPAP experience. Again, then you'll sleep better. You'll feel healthier. Right now, for our listeners, you get to try SoClean risk-free for 30 nights. Even shipping is free. So, Don't wait. Go to SoClean.com. Take advantage of this 30-night risk-free trial. you got nothing to lose. And free shipping as well. Again, that is SoClean.com. Go to SoClean.com once more. That is SoClean.com. Go subscribe over at DailyWire.com. When you do, you get the rest of this show live. You get the rest of the three-hour show live because we do two additional hours every afternoon. Plus, you get all sorts of other goodies. The Daily Wire's long-awaited app is finally here, and it really is first-rate. If you are a subscriber, you can access all of our content, including articles, shows, and more straight from the app. All Access subscribers get our new and exclusive discussion features, where they can interact directly with our hosts, writers, and other special guests. In fact, I'm doing one of those a little bit later today. The app is available on Apple and Android, so download today, become a subscriber, and come join the fun. Go check us out over at dailywire.com. Again, $99 a year gets you the Best in all beverage vessels. Go check it out right now. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty. So it wasn't just the Democrats being radical on economics. They were also being radical on the social issues, as per their usual arrangement. On abortion, they were particularly radical. Tulsi Gabbard sounded the only dissenting note because Gabbard said, yes, there should be some third trimester restrictions in place, which, by the way, is a broad spectrum position in the United States. There's basically one third of Americans who believe that all abortions should be off the table. And there's like one third of Americans who believe that no abortions should be off the table. And then there's like 70 percent of Americans who believe that some abortion restrictions should be on the table, including third trimester abortions. Tulsi Gabbard said that during the third trimester, abortion should not be an option unless life or severe health consequences of a woman are at risk. Good for Tulsi Gabbard for saying the unsayable. But the other Democrats were certainly not having any of that. Again, the most amusing candidate on the stage right now is definitely Kamala Harris because she's trying so hard. Like, points for effort, A for effort for Kamala Harris because she's not going anywhere. She had that one first great debate and it was her moment, her leap to stardom. And then 
the ground just collapsed underneath the weight of her and boom, she was just on the ground. And ever since then, she has been pledging to turn herself into Stalin in order to earn your love. She would do anything for love, include liquidating the kulaks. In any case, Kamala Harris, <laughs> here's what she has to say about abortion. It's wild. She says this. My plan is as, followed, uh, as follows. Uh, for any state that passes a law that violates the Constitution, and in particular Roe v. Wade, our Department of Justice will review that law to determine if it is compliant with Roe v. Wade and the Constitution, and if it is not, that law will not go into effect. That's called preclearance. You may have seen it. I, I questioned Brett Kavanaugh when I was a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee and asked him as a nominee to serve on the United States Supreme Court, could he think of any law that tells a man what to do with his body? And the answer was a uh, uh, no. A couple of things about this particular clip that are crazy. One, preclearance is unconstitutional. Preclearance is unconstitutional on this matter, as with many other matters. The federal government does not get to act, the legislature, the executive branch, they do not get to act as a check on state legislatures. That is the job of the federal judiciary, if you believe in the incorporation doctrine. The federal government, generally, does not get to act without the authority to do this on executive basis. And that, that, that's a wild usurpation of power and a destruction of federalism. And then her comment that, that there's not a single law that tells a man what to do with his body, Try virtually every law that applies to human beings, right? I'm not allowed to use my body to smack my employees. I'm not allowed to use my body to sell drugs. There are lots of different things you're not allowed to do with your body. The only thing that is different between men and women when it comes to this is that men don't have another human being inside their body unless they're Jeffrey Dahmer. That's not something that you're supposed to have inside. If you're a woman, you have another human being in there. My wife is pregnant. There's a human in there, a human Okay, and if she decides to harm that human, she is not just doing something with her body. She's doing something with that human's body, as all of us know. But Kamala Harris is a wild human being. Cory Booker also is trying really hard. And again, A for effort for Cory Booker. He's been going nowhere fast. He's been getting some good press while he's doing that. But Mr. Potato Head, he packed his angry eyes and he decided to show. I'm never going to let that joke die because I just love it. So Cory Booker, he says that not only is he going to do something about abortion, he's going to set up, get ready for it, guys, a cabinet level position at the White House to talk about stuff. Boom, take that, pro-life advocates. So the way, as President of the United States, I'm going to deal with this is, first of all, elevating it like we have with other national crises to a White House level position. And I will create the Office of Reproductive Freedom uh, and Reproductive Rights in the, in the White House and make sure that we begin to fight back on a systematic attempt that's gone on for decades to undermine Roe v. Wade. Oh, because you need an agency for that. Oh, like like you haven't been using Health and Human Services for that. Cory Booker, man. That guy tries. That guy tries. I, I my, my favorite statement about this was Pete Buttigieg's statement about abortion. Why? Because Democrats just lie freely and openly about what they want the Supreme Court to be. And Pete Buttigieg sort of lets the cat out of the bag here. So they keep saying things like, we want justices who represent the values of the American people and defend the Constitution. We don't just want justices who defend all of our favorite political positions. And then Pete Buttigieg is like, well, well, maybe I'm just going to appoint justices who agree totally with everything I agree with politically. What's your response to the vice president? That's right. When I proposed reforming the Supreme Court, some folks said that was too bold to even contemplate. Now, I'm not talking about packing the court just with people who agree with me. Although I certainly will appoint people who share my values. For example, the idea that women's re reproductive freedom is an American right. Okay, so um, one clause in that sentence doesn't match with the other clause in that sentence. When he says, I'm not just going to appoint people who agree with me. I'm going to appoint people who share my values. That's, um, uh, dude, that, that's people who agree with you. I'm not sure if you know what agree means, but that, that would be like people who agree with you. <laughs> Solid stuff there from the Democrats. Probably the most ironic portion of this debate was the Syria portion of this debate where Democrats who cheered wildly as Barack Obama pulled American troops out of Iraq leading to the rise of ISIS are very, very angry at Donald Trump for pulling American troops out of certain areas of Syria leading to the rise of ISIS. Now, Trump's policy is wrong. Trump's policy is bad. And as we've seen over the past few days, President Trump basically announces this thing. And within 24 hours, the Kurds are getting the crap bombed out of them. And now the Kurds are trying to make common cause with Bashar Assad simply so they don't get annihilated by the Kurds. So this has been going just fantastic by the Turks. This has been going just phenomenally well. 
But Democrats saying anything about it, just going to point out, you guys didn't have a lot to say when it was Barack Obama losing a victory that had already been won in Iraq after the surge. Here was Joe Biden pretending that he has any, any leverage to talk about foreign policy. Joe Biden has been wrong about every major foreign policy issue for 30 years. Every One of the great disappointments of my adult life, politically speaking, was watching Paul Ryan debate Joe Biden and Joe Biden just lying and making things up about foreign policy. Like he talked about tossing the Iranians out of Lebanon, which has never happened. Like he, he's just, he just makes things up. So here's Joe Biden warbling and rambling all over the stage. I would not have withdrawn the troops and I would not have drawn the additional thousand troops who are in Iraq, which are in retreat now, being fired on by, a shot, by Assad's people. And the president of the United States saying, if those, if those ISIS folks escape from the prisons they're in, they'll only go to Europe and won't affect us. It has been the most shameful thing that, I've, that any president has done in modern history, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of foreign policy. Oh, really, Joe Biden? Just going just gonna, to, like, it's bad. I agree it's bad, but your boss pulled out of Iraq and called ISIS the JV squad. And within two years, ISIS had taken over a vast swath of territory larger than the size of Great Britain. So, yeah, you were there for that, dude. And you stink at foreign policy. Terrible at foreign policy. There's a lot of it. I mean, the more of this debate you saw, the more you saw that Democrats just cannot be trusted with power just cannot be trusted with power and stumble all over themselves when asked about the implications of their own policies. My favorite moment in terms of somebody who was caught out on his own policy and then had to backtrack his own policy, but then sort of admitted that his own policy does what his critics say it will do was Beto. So again, Beto, it's so funny because when Beto is sort of like Buttigieg, their initial appeal was that they were not crazy. And then in order to appeal to Bernie Sanders' base, Bernie Sanders' base, it's like the ring of power. Everybody thinks they can grasp it. And by grasping that ring of power, they can finally bring righteousness to Gondor. But instead, all that ends up happening is that they get warped like Denethor and start setting themselves on fire. It's crazy, right? They, they go for that Bernie Sanders power base and they can't take it away from Bernie because Bernie is Gollum. Bernie's never letting that power base go away. That ring is on Bernie. He's old, he's decrepit. He, may, he had a heart, like it doesn't matter. He is still wandering around being Gollum, grabbing at the ring and he's never gonna let that ring go, right? He's gonna go down into the volcano with that ring. Doesn't matter. All the other Democrats keep trying to grasp the ring. And for a moment in time, they will have the ring, and then the ring will, will utterly destroy them. So Beto O'Rourke is one of those people. He started off as, look at me, I'm a moderate. I can unify people, and I talk happy talk, and it's great. And I have very weird arms, and I move my arms up and down. I don't know why I'm, I'm doing a, a sort of weird Southern accent there, except that Beto is sort of a, a weird used car salesman who seems like he should speak like that. In any case, Beto O'Rourke, brah, Beto. So Beto has been saying for now months, that he wants to remove every AR in America, every every single Armalite rifle, every every single rifle that works in America that is not a bolt action World War One era rifle, he wants to remove. And he wants to make it illegal to sell them and he wants to remove them, the existing ones, right? Through a gun buyback. And people have been saying, so what are you gonna do? Go to door to door and take people's guns away? And basically, like, no, bro, I'm not gonna do that. People are just going to abide like the dude. They're just going to abide by the law. Okay, so Beto was asked about that last night, and um, he had to walk back his own statements 40 different ways. We don't go door to door to do anything in this country to enforce the law. I expect Republicans, Democrats, gun owners, non-gun owners alike Congressman, to, to let respect me follow and up. follow the law. If someone does not turn in an AR-15 or an AK-47, one of these weapons of war, or, or brings out in public and, and brandishes it in an attempt to intimidate, as we saw when we were at Kent State uh, recently, then that weapon will be taken from them. Uh, if they persist, there will be other consequences from law enforcement. So Beto should just know, those other consequences from law enforcement in, involve police officers coming to your house and arresting you and going door to door. Right? He literally says there, if someone does not turn in an AR-15 or an AK-47, dot, 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 there will, be, there will be other consequences from law enforcement. Sounds a lot like people going door to door and taking your guns away, Beto, because um, how else are they going to know whether you turned in the gun? Uh, again, the Democrats do not want to live with the consequences of their own policy. And the funniest part of the debate last night was when other Democrats were pointing this out. So Pete Buttigieg pointed this out to Beto. Right? Pete Buttigieg, who is the kid in school who always brings the polished apple to the teacher, he's teacher's pet. But Pete Buttigieg is correct here. Right? And he attacks Beto because Beto was doing this whole, I'm... I'm brave, dude, because I want to take your guns. I'm so brave. I mean, I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to make other people do it. 
And maybe I won't make other people do it, but maybe I'll talk about it a lot. And Pete Buttigieg was like, come on, come on. The problem is in the polls, the problem is the policy. And I don't need lessons from you on courage, political or personal. Everyone on this stage is determined to get something done. Everyone on this stage recognizes, or at least I thought we did, that the problem is not other Democrats who don't agree with your particular idea of how to handle this. Ooh, Pete Buttigieg getting feisty there. Getting very, very feisty. So that was a delicious moment. Also, again, I have to go back to Kamala Harris. And again, points for effort for Kamala Harris. She's trying so hard. She desperately wants your love and she desperately wants her attention. Okay, so personal note. Right now in my life, my son is incredibly fussy, right? We went all the way across the world and he has been lacking sleep. And this means that he is yelling a lot and he is fussing a lot. And that means that he's getting a lot of attention because it's difficult to deal with a screaming three-year-old who refuses to sit in his car seat when you're about to go on an hour-long drive. Well, this has prompted my five-year-old daughter to also begin fussing and screaming. And she will literally come and yell at me. And then she will say, I'm yelling because I want your attention. Because she's smart enough to understand exactly what it is that she is doing. Kamala Harris is my five-year-old, right? All the other, Demo- <laughs> All the other Democrats on stage are getting some sort of attention. Elizabeth Warren has gotten attention. And Kamala Harris is standing in the corner screaming that she is not getting attention. Screaming that she is not getting attention. My favorite attack from... So Harris went after Warren, right? Warren's getting all the attention for some reason because the media love a boring, really, really condescending Harvard Law professor who has plans that don't stack up in any real way. They, They love that. That is their favorite makes them feel smart. And Kamala Harris is getting tired of all this. So she is my daughter coming in and saying, I want attention. I'm going to scream in your face until I get it. And she just blows Elizabeth Warren's hair back with this one. Senator Warren, I just want to say that I was surprised to hear that you did not agree with me that on this subject of what should be the rules around corporate responsibility for these big tech companies, when I called on Twitter to suspend Donald Trump's uh, account, that you did not agree. And I would I would urge you to join me. Oh, man, that is so that is cringeworthy stuff. Cringeworthy from Kamala Harris. Her very, very serious program to ban Donald Trump from Twitter and save the world by not allowing you to see Donald Trump's tweets. Oh, the heroism. Oh, the oh, the absolute bravery standing up to Elizabeth Warren that way. Slow clap for Kamala Harris. Slow clap for the death of her campaign. Slow clap. (laughs) Oh, man. And Elizabeth Warren's like, really? This is your line of attack? Like, look at me. I got 29 lines of attack. No one here has even mentioned that I pretended to be a Native American for 20 years. Like, Kamala, that's your line, right? You are a legitimate person of color. I am not a legitimate person of color. You could just go after me on that basis, and you're coming after me with, and then you said Trump should be on Twitter. Boom, roasted. Really? Kamala Harris, the definition of trying too hard in the dictionary under under trying too hard, under pressing, is just a picture of Kamala Harris looking sad. Okay, so this entire debate closes with Joe Biden getting into it with Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And people are giving points to Sanders and Warren for this, but frankly, I don't think it, it's justified. So Biden concludes by pointing out, guys, I'm the only one on the stage who's actually done anything. All of you guys sit here and you talk and you're useless. I'm going to say something that is probably going to offend some people here, but I'm the only one in the stage that's gotten anything really big done from the Violence Against Women Act to making sure that we passed the Affordable Care Act to be in a position where we, in fact, took a, almost a $90 billion act that, that kept us from going into a depression, making us in a, putting us in a position where I was able to end, Roe, excuse me, able to end the issue of gun sales in terms of assault weapons. And so the question is, who is best prepared? We all have good ideas. The question is, how, who's going to be able to get it done? Okay, and then Biden says, some of us have vague plans. And he's asked, so who's vague? And he sort of says, Warren. And then Warren fires back and she says this. I am deeply grateful to President Obama, who fought so hard to make sure that agency was passed into law. And I am deeply grateful to every single person who fought for it and who helped pass it into law. Warren is angry because Biden said that he was the one who passed the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. That that, that is not an Elizabeth Warren achievement. She wasn't in the Senate at the time. Warren tried to fire back by going over his head to Obama. Not sure that it worked particularly great. Bernie Sanders tried this also. And Sanders' attack, again, 
is more damaging because Sanders is more pure of heart if useless in practice. Bernie Sanders says this. I say this is a good friend. You got the disastrous war in Iraq done. You got a bankruptcy bill, which is hurting middle class families all over this country. Frankly, I'm surprised Warren didn't go that direction, but she didn't. But Bernie Sanders is obviously the purest weapon out there at this point. So what is the final takeaway? Bad night for the Democrats. Elizabeth Warren is the front runner and she does not look particularly strong. And Trump is going to hit her a lot harder than any of the other Democrats did. So if you're a Democrat right now, bank on impeachment. Because if you don't impeach this guy, if you don't come up with something stronger than you got in terms of this campaign, he's going to get reelected because so far you're presenting nothing. Now, he could still blow it himself. I mean, as we've seen over the past several weeks, Donald Trump is fully capable of blowing an election himself by being bad at this. But Democrats are not going to win this on the strength of their own platform, not the way they were last night, because it was ugly. Okay, we don't have time for things I like and things I hate. So instead, we will be back here tomorrow with all sorts of more material and updates and, and all sorts of goodies for you. So stick around for two more hours later this afternoon or show up tomorrow for more. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Robert Sterling, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Assistant director Pavel Wydowski, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Sparks flew at the Democrat debate last night, especially after I stuck my finger in the light socket hoping to make it all end. Who won besides Donald Trump? My answer will surprise you. Plus, we'll have the mailbag on The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven. Did you know that mRNA vaccines are approved for use in pigs in the United States? Not to mention 85% of the beef sold in your local grocery store is imported. In fact, over 5 billion pounds of meat was imported just last year. There's so much mystery surrounding our meat, which is why I'm so grateful for my Good Rancher subscription. I know that I don't have to worry about imported meat or unknown vaccines in the food that I feed my family. Good Ranchers is saying mRNO to mRNA by offering a free 10-pound Easter ham with any subscription. Unlike the pork from the grocery store, Good Ranchers ham is guaranteed 100% free from mRNA vaccines. This is a $119 value, absolutely free with code DAILYWIRE. Go to GoodRanchers.com and say mRNO to mRNA by subscribing today. You have a right to know exactly what's in your food, and Good Ranchers is dedicated to protecting that right and providing your family with the best meat in America, free from any unknown and potentially harmful additives. Go to GoodRanchers.com and subscribe to any of their boxes and use code DAILYWIRE at checkout. Every subscription will come with a free Heritage Ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers' lifetime quality commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DAILYWIRE.